0: Using a cyberlayer around uh, what looked like a uh, rock art hospital for police training. Bang on, no! He's dead! Rush gets his head down, he's in a time-training position! This is The Domestics, presented by Watching Sign Layer. Good morning, good evening, good day, wherever you are, these are the dulcet tones of Matilda Reynolds uh, for the domestics, uh, powered by black sheep. At least we're consistent. We have had a couple of technical issues this morning. Uh, We're hoping to get Mike in. Uh, but he's somewhere fighting with a, a Frenchman over his internet and, and that the whole town is being powered off this one light bulb. Uh, Lee Hollywood-Turner, uh, he's, he's still on his honeymoon and I think is, is distracted by that for this evening. But I really want to step up because we have a very, very special guest today. We will be joined by Tracy Gaudry who's um, extremely well-known and respected in the, in the cycling but pretty much the sports industry as, as a whole. She was, she's a very well-known Australian sports administrator, former professional cyclist uh, and vice president of the UCI um, and she's the current president of the Oceana Cycling Federation. Away from cycling, she was the first female CEO of an AFL club as the head of the Hawthorne Football Club Uh, she's an incredible asset not just for cycling uh, in Australia but cycling globally and it's a privilege to be able to have her on the domestics pod today so really looking forward to that conversation Tracy, I remember when I uh, I was racing to it Down Under for the first time, and you got introduced, uh, and I think you were potentially opening the event. And I just I just remember thinking how incredible it was that I hadn't realised at the time that, that we had an Australian as the vice president of the UCI. Um, talk me through your time there with the UCI and you know there's there's a lot of uh positive and negative perceptions around the UCI and their involvement like any uh i, I think overarching organization in every major sport uh and just yeah ha- where the UCI is at now
1: yes um it was interesting for a lot of people to see a woman popping up in a position like that and uh and i hope just just sort of a, a little sort of snapshot of some of those experiences um people would look at you and not expect that a person of such um not necessarily profile, but um, uh, significance in the influence that you have at that level to be a female. And there'd often either be a double take or, in some instances, sadly, ignorance that, you know, you're in that position, but it's, it's not, it's not um, possible for us to comprehend that that could be female. And that's an interesting um, dilemma that we're now seeing overcome because many cultures around the world haven't, had women in positions of power or influence, society. And that's all about the way society is evolving in terms of equality and lifting up people for their skills, knowledge, and experience and embracing that. So it has been an interesting, interesting journey. Um, but when you look at the UCI broadly, um, I came in in the, um, about 2012, uh, just at the peak of the Lance Armstrong saga and after the issuing of what was called then the, which was um, a US um, anti-doping agency releasing its report. And so cycling was in a state of disarray. Um, The level of trust in cycling, its reputation um, were in, were in effectively. And my reason for putting my hand up was actually one of those passionate human beings who um, had been in the cycling world, had raced through that era uh, and I just have to take my hats off to the Australian team in Byron because the women uh, and the teams, we were able just to have our, put, pardon the pun, put our heads down and bum up and get on with it, knowing that we were competing in a system which had issues, but we were going to use our human power to perform the very best we could and look at what we were able to achieve. Um, so I came in with a sporting background, huge amount of passion, but also business skills, um, ethics skills from sitting on Australian Student Sports. Um, ethics committee anti-doping background sitting on the Australia's anti-doping authority um, to say we're going to bring in um, skills knowledge and experience of what it needs to be and what cycling can become uh, and was, was successful in coming on board and UCI over a period of time and not saying that, that was the moment of time of change because I arrived it was a moment of change for the sport um, There were a number of people around the table who were committed to the change process. And as we all know, change is hard. Letting go, moving on, um, and um, over a period of time, bringing that passion to the table, increased business skills in different arenas, but also the representation around the UCI board table and management table. Lots of Aussies in in the management stream for UCI now as well. Michael Rogers um, is one name that that, uh, um, many people would know. Um, bringing the future into the conversation and embracing stakeholders around cycling. So event organisers, working with the ASO as a colleague, um, working with team owners as colleagues and considering what can we do together and collectively and how do we grow the pie uh, versus how do we take more of the pie for ourselves. And that's a difficult position for a regulating organisation which sets the rules, sets the bars, sets the fees, but how can it become a stakeholder? And that's um, what UCI has become, a stakeholder in the growth of the world system for sport and cycling.
0: You know, a few years ago, it it sort of felt like the women's tour had, or the women's racing had sort of hit a bit of a peak, and and that may have happened throughout your period as well, where there was, like, so many... Seeing and there's actually like enormous amount of behind it, but then it seemed mm. to dip a little bit and then it's just mm-hmm. in the last few years started coming back up with ASO and the, the inclusion of World Tour and teams. How, mm. um, how, is, is that your perception of it and ha- how do we ensure that there's so much momentum right now with Latour that that can actually mm. be sustained growth?
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and Matilda, that's um, absolutely true. A lot of, a lot of great things go in, come and go in waves uh, and it would be um, trite to look at the rise and rise of women's cycling as being an overnight success. And while we've got a women's tour, gee, isn't that wonderful? Um, great things are, all, are often a long time in making, and um, certainly, you know, looking back in the 80s and 90s, you know, there there was a women's Tour de France run by the ASO. Um, it, it it then um, you know did go off the calendar. Uh, and it was recreated by other event organizers called Le Grand Bluquet for a period of time, uh, uh, Tour Feminine for a period of time. Um, and what we have seen is that um, the rise has been, has been up until um, the last say five to 10 years, um, the product of hugely passionate, which passion is a key to success in, in any domain in life, business, arts, um, uh, um, the contribution of passionate human beings who who have the will to make things happen. Um, you need that, plus expertise in different fields, plus strong foundations for sustainability. And what's what's what we're seeing now is the culmination of those aspects. And you know, I am privileged to have had a role in the last ten years that has been part of the building of the foundation with the UCI and the Women's Commission where for the first time inside the halls of the UCI's boardroom uh, and uh, the management layer, um, there were people who were speaking the voice of those who knew what we wanted to make happen, who have been there and understood what what it needed to make better. And so we were able to, gr- to gain funding to support broadcast, funding to support um, a women's program inside the UCI that ensured all aspects of cycling were lifted, um, bringing together the race organisers who were um, supporting women's cycling already um, to work with race organisers and team, team owners of women's teams to include um, the spokespeople and stakeholders in all women's cycling at the table to create what is now the Women's World Tour, um, which was launched officially in 2016. Um, and once you've created the baseline and you've set standards that are achievable, so that you have a critical mass, whether it be organisers and teams um, then and broadcasters, then you can actually raise the bar over time. So the, the, the Tour de France Femme is really the culmination of a lot of that work. There is already a global world tour calendar for women and there are world tour teams that have been racing for a number of years now. Uh, and the Tour de France Femme is like the icing on the cake. <laughs>
0: Uh, What's your perception and and feeling with uh, the current environment uh, with cycling Australia and uh, I guess the next generation and and the generation below that and the racing, um, the NRS, it always seems to sort of ebb ebb and flow a little bit, um, but also the racing at the top end seems to be quite strong and I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but... You know, is there, is, there, is there a disconnect between the world championships and, and, and cycling that, that flows down to the grassroots? Or I'd be really keen to get your thoughts on that. And then just also just to quickly shout out to, as you mentioned, Liz, Donna, Karen, yourself. It was only because of uh, those four pioneers and, and such strength in the administration of cycling that we had the Women's Warning. And I directly benefit from a lot of the work you guys do. So thank you for that. Um, but, yeah, I, I just, I guess, want to know the future of cycling in Australia and how you, how you feel where we're heading at the moment.
1: You know, I have the freedom to speak uh, openly. I'm not attached to a particular administrative or governance role um, at, at the moment. Well, I actually am with Oceana. Uh, you know, having been, have been part of the sport of cycling in Australia since the early 90s, uh, when Kathy Watt uh, won at Barcelona in 1992, I wasn't riding a bike back then, uh, got on shortly after, um, you know. And Kathy, is a champion in her own right, you know, it's amazing. Um, cycling in Australia has gone, as we've seen with women's racing at the world level, um, through waves of success and decline. That's normal for any industry, for organisations within industry, as industry impacts occur. Um, however, cycling in Australia had many, many years and decades indeed where all the disciplines of cycling were disparate. Uh, And um, that was only up until two years ago. And I recall um, sitting at the table of the UCI as the vice president and my colleagues sitting around the room looking at me as an Australian um, saying, Australia is one of the strongest cycling countries in the world, but all of your your disciplines mountain bike, um, track road, BMX, are all sitting under different national organizations. How on earth is that true? And so cycling in Australia has been um, hugely successful in some ways, despite itself, um, hugely talented individuals, significant um, benefactors in cycling. Jerry Ryan, um, not only tops them all in terms of Australian cycling, but globally, um, it would be hard pressed to point to more than a half, you know, a handful of individuals around the world who have invested um, time, effort, energy, money of course, but their passion um, to to strengthen cycling at the global level, let alone within the country. Um, Michael Drapak, who is often left out of the conversation as a major benefactor for cycling. So cycling was um, um, hugely successful and has been in Australia, often despite a disparate um, uh, structure underneath. It benefited in the 90s and early 2000s through the Australian Institute of Sport model, so the national structure is very strong. What we're now seeing with Aussie cycling, um, through a several years of um, it's he- turmoil, heavy turmoil, is um, a, a new connectedness between grassroots and elite level. And I will call out a, someone we've mentioned before, and that is Donna Ray Zelensky, um, who is now Oz Cycling's Director of Pathways. Um, that is the first time a role like that has been in place. Um, it is a female in the role. So what we now say, it's a hugely experienced person in the role um, who's responsible now for um, directing, for connecting the dots between grassroots cycling at club level Um, state organizations, the national team and development programs overseas and connecting those to um, uh, uh, continental teams international, continental layer, um, uh, pro continental teams for men's cycling and world tour teams. We have that role in place for the first time and that is a dedicated structure for cycling. So what you're seeing now with the likes of Lucy, I had not seen Lucy um, racing internationally, other than knowing she was on her way. Uh, Anya coming through, um, how extraordinary was that? Was that last night? complimenting, you know, our long-standing heroes, Rachel Nieland uh, and others, that we've now got the infrastructure in place. Again, about that, that infrastructure and those foundations. To then build a pipeline from grassroots all the way through, I think the next five to ten years are going to be extraordinary.
0: One thing that uh, is happening in the race at the moment is it seems that I, I love and hate this. Like, let's not use the women's peloton as guinea pigs, but the uh, ASO are trialing a few a few things with with the women's peloton. One of those was actually the gravel stage. So, could they utilise? Uh, that gravel stage uh, and and put that into the the men's race Uh, and then also the other thing that they're doing is this race radio so they're getting a behind the scenes uh, uh, audio of the DS in the car so essentially for those at home uh, they are there's, there's audio happening of like, every rider has a radio and they are uh, speaking with their, their team manager that are pretty much the coach of the team back in the team car and they transverse uh, through this radio and we're actually getting a little bit of insight uh, into that and we get the odd line from from some of the key teams. What do you think of that inclusion and then also the, the gravel stage that we saw as well?
1: Okay, um, so uh, Matilda, we're, you know, we're talking about you know some really topical things and, and next year will be another set of inclusions and change. And if you look at all sport, we're seeing this. Uh, there is a rise and rise. Um, You know, you look at Bellon Cycling and its role in, you know, uh, really bringing to life the the voices um, of bike riders. Um, It's not new. It's just the particular intervention and thing is new. Um, Part of it is to to get people talking. Let's be honest about it. That's not a bad thing. Um, Part of it is, is it the right thing to do and is it beneficial for the sport? So watching the gravel section, the the gravel two nights ago, um, four sectors of gravel. Um, white gravel, very dry, um, probably added up to about 18 kilometers. I think in the course of the whole race, the last one was about 4.6 K. Um, uh, can I use this? That was bloody long, wh- long way on gravel for a non gravel bike race. That's all I can say. Um, I was looking at the last sector in, in particular, and it was pretty rough. Um, good thing. It was mostly slightly uphill or flat, uh, because downhill is treacherous for gravel, um, the way i see it is you can have a little bit of that but if that changes bike racing which is essentially road racing we want to be really careful we're not crossing crossing the line um, we want spectacle and um, what i would say is road racing is road racing and by and large is on the road um, you'll have sections of gravel and you'll have sections of pave of course um, but i am a bit of a traditionalist uh, and you know i think there's enough excitement on the road to keep it on the road. Uh, we have gravel racing as a brand new discipline which is really exciting. I felt it was a little bit overcooked um, for, for what we needed for the first year of Women's uh, Tour de France Femme. Um We've got enough, enough excitement. Um, I was just thankful that there weren't more incidents on gravel because there's incidences everywhere as we saw last night with a huge pile up in the last 25k and it would have been more than half of the peloton. Um, extraordinary. That happens unfortunately so you know, there's a little bit of purist in me. Um, I like trials, but let's keep discipline, uh, you know, as, as pure as they could be. Um, the race radio, that surprised me um, to see that coming in where we were hearing the voices of uh, the race directors, sorry, the team DSs in the car um, um, talking to their riders about what was happening in the tactics. Um, we're seeing that in different sports where you're seeing the tactics coming through. It's, it's great for the to understand um, you can think about that as um, that's insight but is that also intelligence that's being given away um, between teams and um, so for me it's it's great but it, it's only a matter of time before something might come through that's inappropriate for public viewing or listening um, and the you know the DS's shouldn't be held to account for what's said inside the tent because there's a lot of passion that goes on um there's a lot of competitive rivalry um, so some say I think no no keep that to itself um, but if you're a first, if you're a listener and you're suddenly hearing how the riders are being coached inside the car that's a pretty good thing but maybe let's have that as the outtakes on the other side to make sure that it's palatable and not giving away ip yeah, I think just to touch on a few
0: things you said there, I think the gravel was was great, but um, I think the type of gravel, were, were you know, it was pretty much boulders. And similar, mm. uh, you know, to be fair, similar to the men's Roubaix stage, uh, mm. they they did, they expected this big shake-up in GC, and the only shake-up that happened was when there was an, there's a really bad issue for a rider, Roglic, you know, mm. for, for the men's race, and, and unfortunately, Mavia Garcia in the women's. Mm. Um, and then I wonder mm. with the race radio If that starts coming in more and more ds's could actually start using it to send fake messages or like i wonder if they know that the world's listening to this and the other cars could they start you know putting in some interesting like x rider we're riding for you now and 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 to sit up so it'll be interesting how that that plays out but tracy you you touched on you touched on the crashes and i just want to you know a lot has been made about crashes and I just I wonder why it's it's coming up so much for the women's peloton because the men's peloton crashes just just as much if not more horrific and and there's more crashes because there's more riders there's longer stages etc. Do you think it has something to do with we're just not used to seeing women um, being flung across the road uh, in in such a horrific way and then getting back up on a bike and it's for the for the average viewer is it's just such a new phenomenon that they that they're seeing or do you, yeah I I'm, I'm curious as to why there's it's being replayed a lot more and a lot more seems to be made of it when we do see very similar in, in the men's peloton
1: Um, Matilda, this is a really important aspect to discuss in all of women's sport uh, uh, when we have um, um, experienced in sport, um, you know, uh, a difference in profile and prominence of sport where uh, for for men playing versus women and AFL is a prime example of that here in Australia Um, and, and I'm saying this in a positive and constructive way. And um, in the AFL, as the AFL women have come on board in a profile, there's a National League for Women now, um, the last four years, five years, a lot of conversation around the skill of women playing AFL, you know, and those who are the naysayers saying, well, you know, they're not very skilled, they don't know the tactics, they're not strong. Um, well, when you think about an AFL player, it's a lifelong of, you know, knowledge, experience, training, coaching to get to the peak and you're you're looking at the rise and rise of that. And it's not dissimilar, but sadly not dissimilar in the world of cycling. Women's cycling has been around for a long time. We've just talked on this one conversation alone about there being a women's Tour de France um, in the 80s. Uh, Women have been racing extraordinarily hard for a long, long time, very skilled, showing the resilience that we know that cycling at the peak um, requires of human beings at the most human level. And so we've got this um, an audience seeing women um, putting it all on the line for the first time, and you are 100% right. Um, In the world of elite road cycling, elite track cycling, mountain bike, BMX, doesn't matter what discipline it is, there is danger attached. Um, There are mishaps and um, spills. Um, There is that resilience of getting up and going again. That's not... That's not just the male domain. That's what it takes to to get to the top and stay there. And so for people like you and me, Matilda, that's just part of what goes with the territory. You sign up for that or you don't. Um, and so the world is seeing for the first time that this is what racing at the most elite level, that's what you have to be capable of and take gender aside. And then they're saying, crikey, that's women crashing there. Um, you know, that's women getting up with blood all over their arms. I can't remember which rider last night was going back to the medical vehicle several times to get taped up with blood still gushing down the arm into the into their glove. Um, most human beings would never have seen that that situation before where any person is continuing to get up and keep going. I think it's a new awakening of understanding of how tough it is and what it takes. And by gosh, women are doing that too. Um, and that is extraordinary. So I think it's more um, the extraordinary realisation of that's what it takes and it's women in the mix. And it's not about their lack of skill. It's about, excuse me, shit happens in bike racing. This is this is what goes with the territory. Um, and you'll see more and more of that over the years. We never want to see mishaps happening in any sport or any any walk of life. It is part of the sport. It's part of the early days of grand tours, where there's a lot of nervousness and everyone's keeping together and racing in the peloton with new riders, um, experienced riders. Nerves has a lot to say with it. The natural environment has a lot to do with it. Exhaustion has a lot to do with it. These are all factors that are part of global racing, and the world's now seeing that in the women's peloton too.
0: Tracy, what, what, what how do you see the last few stages playing out? And Ken,, can, uh, can, how, how do you stop an Anameek?
1: <laughs> well, Adamique, um, whom speaking of crashing, uh, those who um, have remembered Rio, the Olympic Games, Anique crashing over the top of the hill and the final climb down to the finish, um, I had the, uh, the unfortunate uh, situation of being in the one of the commissaire cars behind that crash. Um, to see uh, again what people put themselves through uh, but to see one of the most extraordinary recoveries um, in the sport for Anamit to go from that um, um, life and death situation to world champion and Olympic champion and now um, continuing to push at the pointy end not for an Australian team sadly Um, Anna Meek has, has is coming out of the back of Gastro. Um, the first three or four days you hardly saw her um, is now coming to the fore. We've got Cecile who had the stage win on stage four, I think. Um, and uh, we've got a number of climbers that we haven't seen before in the peloton coming to the fore. So um, it may not be Annemiek's day. It depends upon the team around her. It hasn't got the strongest team in the world. Um, you've got Passion and vibrance. You've got Cecile being a stage winner who, who has one of the most, who's, you know, always one of the most extraordinary interviewees. Um, and uh, it's been said in the men's peloton and said in the women's peloton already that uh, wearing a national jersey, um, being a stage winner, wearing the yellow jersey gives you another layer of energy. It gives you wings. And so there's a lot of riders who are riding on a high. In Australia, we've got Rachel Nalen, who was the um, world silver medalist um, in 2000, I think 2014 or 15, Matilda, can we go back to the record books? Um I think Annemiek is the one to watch, but there are some dark horses there who are sitting around, who are around watching and waiting. And there's two um, mountain stages to come, uh, two to go for the, for the race. So I actually wouldn't put my numbers on anyone at this point in time, and that's a that's a big call for me to not make a call. Um of course Voss um having a stage win uh and last night um, being picked uh again by Lorena. Um she's she is the world's most winningest female cyclist of the modern era, these stages are, you know, not stages for her in terms of being the climbing stages. So she'll she I think you know the jersey will fall off her shoulders and she'll devote her time and her efforts to others in her team. Hard to,
0: hard to put a dollar on someone, but I, I'm I I really I would love to see Longo Borghini uh, get up. I think they've got the team, they're uni- they're so um, unified that team. They have the most incredible yeah. DS in ENA. In and um, yeah. the 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 one that could unseat her, I feel like, is SD Works, but it doesn't see, seem harmonious there at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. it's 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 difficult to know, like Demi or, or Mormon Pasio Passio, and uh, if they came together, and they then then I think they can they can certainly unseat Anna Meek. But uh, we know that she has a killer blow, the, those those really long climbs, and it's just really who can hang on. Uh, at, mm-hmm. in, so it's going to be yeah and, and the other thing trace that we're seeing with the with the tour is from my understanding the it just it's getting the swell is getting bigger and bigger so so people are watching it, they're then telling their friends about it. It sort of feels like if you're if you're not a cyclist watching the tour de France fam at the moment, you, you're not a part of the conversation because it's all about that is mm. is is that what you're hearing like your friend's family is talking about it every day?
1: Oh, absolutely and and this time next year. Uh, and what people are saying, oh, is this here to stay? Of course it's here to stay. Uh, let's be honest, the, the Tour de France Femme is the latest event in the Women's World Tour, all right? It's as I said, the icing on the cake. It's not the making of the cake. And let's be really honest about that. It's a wonderful way to celebrate and bring spotlight to the whole Women's World Tour and Peloton. So what I wanna see is more view, more eyes viewing other World Tour events around the year. Zero Dawn, uh, for example, um, and coming into the one-day classic. so let's let's see this as the the next step to visibility and um, excitement about women's racing. And when we look at this year, um, the 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 cycling community are talking about Tour de France Femmes the way we've heard them talking about the Tour de France for men. You know, talking about riders, talking about teams celebrating successes and we want to have all of the female writers as on the you know their first names and and their names on the tip of the tongue talking about them the way we have been talking about forgacha for the last couple of years as this you know superstar you know popping up out of the blue the blue Van Art. We want to be having those same conversations and we're now having those conversations whereas previously the same superstars were invisible. The fact is it's visible now and people are genuinely excited and um, not now surprised, it's like this is wonderful, this is great. And we're hearing that conversation in the coffee shops and on the bunch rides um, in the morning. Uh, and for those who are, has been now, um, we still go out on bunch rides and have lots of fun. And what's more fun is talking about the cycling and talking about the women. Uh, Matilda, may I just say one thing, you also picked up on another really important part without intending to, of, the infrastructure behind women's cycling. You talked about Longo Borghini, who's been around forever and a day in a great way, who wasn't a climber before, who now climbs really, really well. Um, but one of the ingredients behind the success of Borghini's team is Ina Tuttenberg. And Ina, was, Ina and I raced way back then, you know, in the late 90s and 2000s. What we're now seeing as part of that infrastructure is women in roles throughout the whole industry of cycling you are one of them um in, with in terms of head of marketing for black sheep we've got women ds's of teens we've got women race directors we've got a female race director of women's tour de france femme we've got female race directors in carly and and, and edmondson with tour down under we've got female mechanics We've got women coaches, we've got women officiators, we've got women in senior management, and we've got more women at the governance level. You just picked out one name um, who is one of the superstar tacticians of the sport now running one of the world's best teams. It all makes sense why women's cycling is getting stronger and stronger. And that that's just but one of many examples.
0: That's why I think they'll do well. Like she's got something planned for sure for that team. But um, Tracy, I could turn this into a Joe Rogan podcast and and speak to you for hours about this. Uh, I think, uh, please don't leave the sport. We need you. I know you've already done huge amounts of back back. Groundwork, and and uh, I really hope you can be celebrated along with these riders. But um, and and please keep it going because the, the, it's those people behind the scenes that you've already mentioned that it's it's only possible that these women can come to the fore. But uh, enjoy the last few stages, and thank you for joining us so early on your day. Um, everyone my, my team's left me they've fallen apart on the last few stages uh, but yeah thanks <laughs> for joining the domestics and and massive thanks to That's actually cycling for enabling us to have these conversations
1: thanks Matilda and Mark, who's bailed uh, and great to be on the domestics <laughs> and one of them uh, using a
0: cycle around uh, what looks like a uh, trial trial. The Domestics, presented by Watching Sunway.